Welcome to the Herringay Education Partnership Brief. It's Monday, the 21st of February. I'm Luke. And I'm Maya, and we're here to bring you up to date with what's happening in education. Here's what you need to know this week. The DFE has extended its COVID workforce fund for schools until Friday the 8th of April. The fund is to cover supply costs at schools and colleges facing significant staffing and funding pressures so they can continue to deliver face-to-face, high-quality education to all pupils. The fund was due to expire at the February half-term. Ofsted has extended the grace period for bringing the curriculum in line with the new framework until September 2022 due to COVID disruptions. This extension has been welcomed by the likes of Jeff Barton, General Secretary of ASCOL. The transition arrangements that have been in place since the new framework was brought in in 2019 were due to be reviewed in March. While the new framework requires schools to have a curriculum that meets certain criteria to be rated as good, in the transition period, schools need only to demonstrate that they are in the process of implementing their plans. Whether this extension will be the last is quite another question. The TES has reported that schools following the DFE's proposed new behaviour guidance could end up breaking the law through their treatment of pupils with special education needs and disabilities. Dan Rosenberg, an education solicitor and partner at law firm Simpson Millar, said schools that follow the guidance, as it is currently drafted, could end up being in breach of the Equality Act. Send Legal Advice charity IPSEA also has some concerns about the guidance, which it says doesn't fully acknowledge the disproportionate sanctioning by schools of children with SEND. The DFE has said it welcomes any feedback on the guidance, which is currently subject to consultation. The consultation is open until the end of March. New government guidance to support teachers in tackling sensitive issues in the classroom in a politically impartial way was published on the 17th of February. The press release highlights that teaching about political issues and the differing views on these is an essential part of the curriculum, helping students to form their own opinions and prepare them for later life. The new guidance is said to help teachers and schools navigate issues such as the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the legacy of the British Empire and social responses to racism in accordance to the law. Nadim Zahawi, Education Secretary, has said, I don't want there to be any barriers, real or perceived, to teachers' vital work in this space. Which is why I am reinforcing that no subject is off-limits in the classroom, as long as it is treated in an age-appropriate way, with sensitivity and respect, and without promoting contested theories as fact. We link to the guidance in the show notes. This week's Deep Dive, the State of the Nation Report. On the 8th of this month, the Department for Education released its State of the Nation Report, much of which was focused on the experiences of young people during the 2020-2021 academic year. The report painted a positive overall picture, citing improvements in children and young people's well-being, despite remaining aware of challenges. In this Deep Dive, we're going to break down the report for you, and also look into whether that positive outlook on well-being is shared by everyone. One of the more important findings is the link between regular attendance at school and college and positive well-being across all groups of students and young people. In other words, face-to-face learning, as opposed to remote learning, appears to have a more positive impact on students' well-being. 
Another key trend identified in the report is children and young people's happiness with life at school remaining consistent with previous years. There were drops in levels of well-being for primary and secondary pupils in February 2021, but that was when schools were closed for the majority of pupils. In terms of relationships with families and friends, young people reported high levels of contentment which were consistent with previous year's data. They also appeared to be happy with their appearances and with their sense of choice in life, but they did worry about the future, with their biggest concerns being the environment, finding a job, homelessness, crime and online safety. The data collected about online safety was the first time such a topic has been included in a State of the Nation report. While 29% of children and young people worried about online safety, only 5% of 9- to 17-year-olds were unhappy with their experiences online. The press release for the report included the fact that the government has provided access to mental health support teams for schools, as well as a mental health training grant, which has been extended with an additional £3 million. So... Is the optimistic data and extra funding being channeled towards programmes to benefit young people's well-being enough? A poll from mental health charity Place to Be and the National Association of Head Teachers seems to suggest it's not. The poll of school leaders, teachers, and other staff revealed that 95% of them had seen a rise in anxiety levels among pupils. Additionally, 86% said they had noticed an increase in pupils experiencing low self-esteem, 76% reported higher levels of depression, and 68% reported seeing increased feelings of anger among pupils. Only about 23% of school employees said they had regularly been able to access specialist support for pupils struggling with their mental health suggesting that the government's self-described high-demand training for senior mental health leads may not be hitting the intended mark. The figures from the report also seem less rosy when the 25% increase in the number of children with mental health problems since the start of the pandemic is taken into account. The figure comes from the DfE's own statistics, reported by The Guardian on the 4th of February. The 1,500 children per week presenting with mental health problems could cost councils an extra £600 million a year, dwarfing the approximately £14 million in extra funding promised by the government to help with issues surrounding young people's well-being. While the government's initiatives to provide mental health lead training and support the Reducing Parental Conflict programme are no doubt steps in the right direction for improving young people's well-being, much of the data says it may not be enough especially after the last two years of the pandemic. This week at HEP. On Tuesday, the 22nd of February, the first session of a five-part ECT training program led by Christine Council and Steve Mastin kicks off. The series focuses on understanding and implementing a knowledge-rich curriculum in HEP schools. Peter Warwick will be back with us on Wednesday afternoon for the second part of his Understanding and Developing the Role of the New and Existing Maths Subject Leaders course. And on Thursday, Tom Sherrington will be joining us for a coaching session for Leaders of Teaching walkthroughs at 8.30 a.m. At 4 p.m., he will discuss exploring the Explaining and Modeling series as part of HEP Talks, The Big Ideas. All sessions are virtual and are available to book on our website. This week, we've been watching 
How Language Shapes the Way We Think, a TED Talk by Lara Boroditsky. Boroditsky talks about how we transmit knowledge and ideas through language and asks the much-debated question, does the language we speak shape the way we think? She details how language can impact how we orientate ourselves physically, how we understand time, how we count, and even how we describe colors. It's a really fascinating talk that makes you think about how we orientate ourselves in the world using language. This week, we've been listening to 50 Years of Life in Britain from the Centre of Longitudinal Studies at UCL's IOE. This six-part podcast series takes us on a journey through British social and political history and explores the 1970 British cohort study, which has been following the lives of 17,000 people born in Britain during a single week in 1970. The series also explores BCS70's numerous contributions to British science and society, with interesting themes emerging like the impact of reading for pleasure on life chances and attainment, the effects of the Skills for Life adult learning programme, and the gender pay gap. This week, we've been reading our blog. Here at HEP, we've launched a blog that is a platform to share the voices of our member schools as well as highlight thoughts from the team at HEP. Read the latest post, written by head teacher Paul Murphy, which details how Lancasterian Primary School formed their vision and values and the transformative impact this has had, reinvigorating the school culture and impacting children's outcomes in all senses of the word. That's it for our Monday, 21st of February, Head Brief. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This brief has been written and produced by Maya Cardwell and Luke Kemper. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll see you next week.